sure. I literally grabbed him by his jacket, pulled him into a janitor's closet. It's like, dude, it's you and me, right? No administrators, no insurance companies. You, you got to tell me. Yeah. And they ended up telling me that he didn't believe she would survive. Mm-hmm. All right. Not the answer I want, but sure. Okay. So the next question became, do you think her health would get to the point where she will survive? And he had to say he didn't believe it could mm-hmm. get there. So now I'm faced with this choice. You know, she's on the respirator. She's, you know, the, the machine's getting her to breathe. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, good God, if I keep her here, it's for me. That's selfish, right? Yep. Yep. And I had been through my selfish phase with my drug scene, right? That was all about me, me indulging, right? So it was like, can I really do that to her, keep her in her pain? And so that's, we made the choice to disconnect. Yeah. And that's when I, that's why I say I wrapped her up, sat in a rocking chair in her room, and I rocked her to sleep mm-hmm. one last time. Tracy, you're the founder of Dark Horse Entrepreneur, Lead Click Convert, Business and Success Coach. You're also the host of the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast, tons more. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I'm actually glad to be here. Excited to have this conversation with you. Awesome. I'd love to go back with my guests. Like, where did you grow up? What was childhood like for you? You know, uh, I have a really kind of a cool, unique story. My father was a 23-year veteran in the United States Army. So I grew up all over the United States. Okay. You know, we moved like every, it seemed like every day, but it was like every <laughs> two two or three years. And then he actually got stationed for two tours over in Europe. Uh, my heritage, my uh, my grandfather uh, was actually came over from Germany. He actually fought in the World War on the opposite side. Oh, wow. uh, so, and there's some there's some stories in there too. Yeah. But uh, you know, so I grew up speaking the language. So you know, spending the time over there was really uh, it was it was very eye opening. But it was also awesome because, f- except for a short period of time, we always lived off base. And when I say, and for us, off base meant like 30, 40 miles away. Yeah. You know, so. While they knew we were Americans and we were military, uh, but because we spoke the language, you know, we just, we acted like it was every day for us. And I really thank goodness for that because it really exposed me to more than what you would grow up with if you stayed in one little city, be it a big city or even a little city. Yeah. Um, and uh, my dad, when he got out of the service, I was probably in my early teens and uh, we settled in Southern California of all places. Uh, we, we settled there because my great grandmother was falling ill. So they wanted to be close to care for her. Gotcha. But I went from this really structured lifestyle to probably the most liberal place on the planet, let alone in the United <laughs> States, right? <laughs> probably, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. So, so I had a very, I had a really cool childhood growing up. You know, I got to see all kinds of, you know, types of people, personalities, religions, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. And then if you think about, you know, just being on the base, right inside the military base, you, you have an even tighter mix of that inside there. And we, you know, it's funny. We all had our differences, but we we all got along because we were all part of that, I think, that same big green family, right? Yep. And especially when you were overseas, I think it was even more magnified then because when you're on base, you knew, all right, we're all Americans. At, 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 sure. at least that's what we are, right? Yep. You know, we're all here because of the military. But, uh, you know, you get out and you see, especially this year, some of the things that are gone, you're like, dude, all right, I get it. You have an opinion, but... Sure. <laughs> 
yeah, sure, we, totally. we can have a conversation. I don't have to agree with everything Eric says, right? Yeah. And I can have an intelligent conversation and tell you what I think and listen to what you think, yep. but it doesn't seem to be uh, going on a whole lot right now. Yeah, it's interesting how that is. Thank you to your dad for his service. I think that's just really, truly amazing. Um, but you did, you went through some crazy times growing up. You battled addictions, you went through divorce, you battled, a, you know, you did bankruptcy yeah. and, and unfortunately even experiencing the death of your daughter who was just 18 months old at the time. Yeah. A lot of people will just give up at that point, but how did you get through those experiences and how did it shape you who you are today? Ooh, you know, I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to thank goodness for two things. One is my father. Yeah. Uh, my father, even through his military experience, uh, he was always family first. Okay. And uh, there was uh, there was one brief experience. I'll, uh, I'll, tell, a short, I'll tell a short story. Yeah, here. yeah. No but uh, when we were living in Co in Fort Hood, Texas, uh, we were living in Copper's Cove, and uh, I was out playing with a friend across the street, and we saw this rabbit, and I'm like, oh, cool rabbit, right? You know, I I'm probably ten. Right, okay. so it's like 1976. Okay, and uh, so I go over and I scoop up the rabbit. I'm holding it, I'm petting it, and all the other kids start, you know, coming up. Oh, you got the rabbit! You caught the rabbit! And the rabbit got scared, and it literally started gnawing its way across my arm. Oh my god! And of course, ouch! You know, drop the rabbit, and I get home and I call my dad. And I said, Dad, you know, I, I'm bleeding pretty, pretty bad. Is as soon as you can get. I don't think I finished the conversation. My dad is like probably breaking land speed records to get home and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know taking me to the hospital in the home. so when i say family for i mean he that that was it and it, yeah. there was there was family and work and then beer <laughs> right so, okay. you know and <laughs> yeah. uh, so i think that was the first thing uh, because when the police kicked in my door during my uh, drug addiction days i mean when i say drug addiction i got to the point where i was actually slinging it and had people wow. working for me you know so i, I was deep in the game yeah uh, for a while and i got on the radar screen of uh, you know detectives in the area and luckily i was not home when they kicked in my door okay. uh, my girlfriend at the time was there so Okay, wow. good, bad, or ugly there. Right, sure. But <laughs> I, I had a, a four-month-old daughter. And so when I got to my condo and I saw my door kicked in, and then it came, it, I came to the realization that it was the cops. And it was like you see in the movies, right? Furniture is all over the place, clothes thrown, you know, rice crispy tree and you know, instant potatoes all over the floors. They were dumping things out, looking for whatever they could find. Oh my gosh. Um, I, you know, it was like, oh my God, uh, it's not just me. And, you know, I could hose up my life all day long, whatever, sure. right? But yeah. now I've got this new life and I could hear my dad in my head, right? Family first. And, uh, you know, I went to my mom and dad and I said, you know, I'm you know, pretty much groveled. Hey, I need your help. I got this new baby. I need to get off these drugs, you know, the whole nine yards and very supportive. Uh, them and my uh, well, I call him my brother. He's you know brother from another mother kind of guy. Yeah. But uh, you know the three of them helped me just really pull my ass up and yeah. uh, out of the gutter. And so that was that was number one. I, I'll say to my dad. I think the other thing was really I got into martial arts early on, probably about the nice. same time I got bit by that rabbit. Right. And you know I, it was. It, I think initially, well, I was four foot three in the ninth grade. So you can imagine when I was at 10, right? Wow. Okay. And, but I had a big mouth. Okay. Those two don't always work so well together. <laughs> totally. And my dad, my dad was one of those guys. Don't come whining to me. Right? Yeah. You either beat his ass or shut up. I don't care. Right. Um, and so, you know, I started taking martial arts and I got into the whole Bruce Lee thing and I got in 
deeper than just the movies. I started reading his books and his philosophies. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the things is all about self, right? It, mm-hmm. Everything happens from here out. It's not here in, right? It's yep. you got to be your own source, your own energy. And that. And so I think when it came to the death of my daughter at 18 months old, and, and, and literally, I mean, uh, you know, rocking her to sleep one last time, through wow. that through the, through the end of that um I, he is i could have and I, and I my real fear was i could have right just turned right sort of medicating myself into numbness to yep. hide from pain but i still had my first daughter and i knew right, i i gotta represent right i gotta be mm-hmm. the parent and be the guy that you know dads are supermen, you know, as far as, especially for daughters. Uh, So that helped me make that choice. It's like, I threw myself into my work, into personal development. I think I went to every single Jim Rome, Anthony Robbins, you know, Zig Ziglar event back in the, back in the nineties. And it was really, it was really those, those two uh, influences that went way, that go way back. Um, But it was that conscious decision. I, I can't do that shit. I can't, and, and really, to even go a little bit further with, with Krista, the, my daughter that passed away, um, it got to a point where, you know, she, she had went through like six operations by the time she was three months old. Oh my gosh. Uh, as they tried to do things. She was born with like 23 centimeters of large intestine, which is where we absorb food, right? Yeah. And so she, couldn't, she could not absorb enough nutrition by eating. Okay. So one of the operations was installing this TPN line, uh, which then TPN is an acronym for total parental nutrition. So yeah. literally they were feeding her the raw materials that her body need to keep her alive. Yeah. The body being that amazing thing that it is, it says, oh, well, you don't need me to filter anything. So I'm just going to go ahead and start getting rid of this liver. So her liver was deteriorating, you know, so it was all this, this, you know, this stacking on one thing after another yeah. and uh, they, they got her stable and they, you know, um, she was up in Pittsburgh. My daughter and I were down in Atlanta and uh, mom and the, you know, and Krista were up in Pittsburgh where the operation was going to happen whenever the organs became available. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we would go up there every weekend or two to, to visit and hang out and be a, try to be a family. But, and if you're a parent and I, I don't know if you are or not, but anyone who is a parent will know when I say you look at your child and say, something's not right. Yep. Even, you know, for me, there was a different level, a base level, right? You knew she was sick and everything. But when you, I walked into her room and she was in the emergency room, she had taken a turn for the worst. Actually, she had been dropped on her head. You know, oh one, of the, uh, one of the nursing assistants uh, lost, you know, I guess the baby like, you know, jerked or something like that to try to see something. And she lost her and she literally held her. So now her, the poor little thing, she's fighting all these other issues. Now she's got to fight this big old banana hematoma on her oh head. Oh my gosh. And when I walked into her room, you could see this, the, the smile wasn't there, that, that spark in the eye. And I'm like, uh, I, I grabbed the doctor first time I saw him. And I'm like, Dude, I got to ask you a question. If the organs became available right now, do you think she'd survive the operation? I got a lot of human and I got a lot of doctor speak basically. Right. Right. Not want to say anything that you know he might be liable for. Sure. I literally grabbed him by his jacket, pulled him into a janitor's closet. It's like, dude, you and me, right? No administrators, no insurance companies. You, you got to tell me. Yeah. And they ended up telling me that he didn't believe she would survive. Mm-hmm. All right. Not the answer I want, but sure. Okay. 
So the next question became, do you think her health would get to the point where she will survive? And he had to say he didn't believe it could mm -hmm. get there. So now I'm faced with this choice. You know, she's on the respirator. She's, you know, the, the machine's getting her to breathe. Yeah. You know, and so it's like, good God, if I keep her here, it's for me. That's selfish, right? Yep. Yep. And I had been through my selfish phase with my drug scene, right? That was all about me, me indulging, right? So it was like, can I really do that to her, keep her in her pain? And so that's, we made the choice to disconnect. Yeah. And that's when I, that's why I say I wrapped her up, sat in a rocking chair in her room, and I rocked her to sleep mm -hmm. one last time. And uh, I wish that pain on nobody out there. I have disliked a lot of people in my life, but never so much where I want them to go through that. It's just, you can't imagine, right? Yep. Man. So that's, that's why I say I, I turn towards, all right, I've got I've to gotta do the right thing for the daughter I have, right? Yep. And try and be someone that she can be proud of. So that's, that's not going that dark path. So it's heading down towards all that personal development. And I think what was really cool about that is uh, while, she, while Krista was going through everything, I would get on any stage and mm. tell and to talk about organ donations and the benefit of it, right? Obviously, I have a personal a vested interest. And sure, I would talk to anybody that, that would listen. And I, I be honest, I, there was a few people that didn't want to listen. I told them anyway, but <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> you, you get me, right? Yeah, but yeah. Coming, coming out of that, I continued to speak as much as possible. And it started to shift slowly over time away from just the topic of organization into the different topics that helped me pull me, you know, my head straight, which right. all these personal development topics, you know, positive thinking, goal setting. And, and I started using those things in my work and it started me this rise in corporate America, which got me even more attention. So it was, uh, it, w it was a great tailspin on the upward uh, and the, uh, that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that was a long-winded answer to like your question. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. That was an unbelievable story. And I mean, I think that, you know, I like Ed Milet and he says the thing and Tony Robbins says something very similar and Ed probably stole it from Tony and re-put it, but it's like, you know, right. life happens for us, not to us. And mm -hmm. even through the toughest times, man, which I can't imagine being in the position that you were in and I have two kids and, and um, man, thank you for sharing that story. That's just Absolutely. unbelievable. My pleasure. Um, you know, and kind of going into that, like having the right mindset, it's so important in business and in life, you know, yeah. I'm big on morning routines, but what's your morning routine look like? And, and what do you do to stay in the right mindset and continue to grow in that area? You know, um, my morning routine, although I, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, <laughs> it's slacked off a little bit here okay. of late sure. here during the holiday season, but yeah. the morning routine is usually, we're usually up. My missus and I are both early risers, three okay. thirty ish on a yeah. weekday you i might sleep in till make up five or six on a weekend but you, you you get in there we're lucky enough to have a, a home gym so we can nice. you know work get in a little workout whether it's just a walk or actually doing some doing some weight training there you yeah. know uh jam down some uh, nice oatmeal in the morning especially these cold days like this right. you know nutrition and, and i'm a big i like to journal you know so i'm i'm writing things and my journaling path has kind of changed over the years as I've, you know, just toyed with it. I went from writing down your top 10 goals every single day. And that's always a great exercise because yeah. I think what's even more fun if, if you do that is to go back six months later and re, kind of watch them morph 
as things have happened to you in your life. And a couple of them will stay, right? But the rest of them, some will fall off, some will rise to the top, some will just disappear entirely. Um, But then it's like, I usually use that time to hang out with uh, my wife and my uh, now youngest daughter. Okay. And then, uh, you know, then get the day started. Um, Nice. I use the towards the end of the day as I'm trying to wrap up the work part of the day and looking at, all right, what is it I need to get done over the course of the rest of the week? And then what part of that I want to get done tomorrow? And it's usually one or two things. These are the have to do's. Right. Maybe there's one or two more nice to do's. If I otherwise I'll push it to the next day. Uh, and that way you're kind of that day is kind of wrapped up. Yeah. Right. So now when I'm back with being with the family, I'm there. I'm fully present. And we're hanging out, whether we're watching TV or talking politics my daughter loves politics oh my gosh wow awesome um you know or or whatever the topic of conversation may may be any new things that are going on in the world which you know things have been going crazy so right lots of hot topics you know yeah wow okay yeah i'm an early riser too i get up at 4 a.m uh usually six days a week i i don't set the alarm on sunday but i usually wake up between 4 30 and 5 on sunday without the alarm happens naturally right yeah i've been doing it for about 10 years and just, you know, my wife, she's the night person. So it's funny that we're, we're complete opposites where, you know, it's Saturday night and I'm like nine 30, I'm out, you know, and she's like, what, you know, <laughs> right. So, no, um, that's awesome. but you have this great podcast called the dark horse entrepreneur, which is a top 50 ranked podcast in three countries. Congratulations uh, for now. Hello. Four, come on. That's awesome. Congratulations. <laughs> that's so thank cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's such a great show, by the way. And I've been listening to your episodes since I, I came across you online there. But for folks who don't know, what's your show about and why did you decide to start the podcast? You know, it's actually, I'm lucky enough that it's my second podcast because I came through that, all that personal development stuff towards the tail end of it. I started dropping a podcast. I was doing podcasting when it wasn't cool. Right. Okay. Um, But, uh, but those were, those were just episodes of me getting on the mic, you know, sharing personal development knowledge. Right. And, uh, and I actually tried to turn it into uh, monetize it by doing a Monday episode, sharing on that Monday episode. Here's what we're going to be sharing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Okay. Oh, but to get those episodes, you got to come over to my membership sign and sign in okay. $9.99 a month. But you know, it worked, right? It worked for a while, but I started, you know, I had that last, the, you know, the divorce and um, bankruptcy thing you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. I had that last really nastiness left in my life which is now my ex-wife um and i say that jokingly obviously i had a vested interest i was part of that but uh you know so i set that aside until i got the rest of my life put together and uh i was you know thinking about it early this year and just like this series of events i ran across zach and i thought all right i I could do this you know i can get back in the game um and uh so i figured all right i don't want to do just another personal development are out there everywhere yeah. right right and uh you know i was getting back into the entrepreneurial game you know i was you know probably in it for about two years on the side and i thought well, what a great thing i could share my journey share my thoughts and all the goodness that i'm learning or have learned and then hopefully get folks that are ahead of me in the journey and interview them i can learn from them and then share that same learning with my audience and uh, apparently it's working so far <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's such a good show. People need to go out and let's do it for sure. You know, when I first started my podcast in 2017, I had no idea what I was doing. It was in a Mm walk-in closet with horrible lighting. I never looked at the camera or anything like that, you know, and, you know, I'm still learning on a daily basis, but, you know, I'm very real with my audience in in that I'm not a, uh, 
full-time entrepreneur. I'm not a millionaire. I don't drive a six-figure vehicle. You know, right. and you're very authentic with your story and your show as well. But why is being authentic so important? And how has that helped you be successful in your podcasting? I think the if I go back in any time in my life where I've been happy, I've been myself. Yeah. And, and that means it, it, whether it was just hanging out with a couple of guy, guy friends of mine, or whether I was on some venture or whoever I were, was working for in corporate America or even small business America, when I was being me, that's when I felt the best about what it was I was doing. The minute yep. I had to stop being me to do the job or to stay married or to whatever the reason was, that's when it started feeling like, oh, ick. You know, you're feeling, oh, I, I just, I need to go take a shower. But <laughs> yeah, totally. and, and at the same time, if you don't like me for me, um, that's cool. It, yeah. It's no skin off my nose. Yeah. I don't like everybody out there either. Doesn't right. mean I dislike them. I just don't resonate with them. So I think if folks can spend more time just being them, right? Yeah. Hashtag cussing, hashtag whatever, right? right? So be you, people will resonate. The, 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 first off, they'll, they'll figure out, dude, he's, he's real, right? right. Yep. And the word authentic is thrown around so much nowadays, but yeah. right? So does real, right? Hey, I'm just being real, um, <laughs> right? But you resonate with that person like, like Zach, I can imagine you, you probably, when you stumbled across Zach, you're like, uh, I get this guy. Yeah. We, we jam, right? We, we, yep. I can, I can resonate with his message and how he presents himself. I don't cuss on my podcast. Yeah. Every once in a while, a, a word will come out. I sure. can trust me. I, I, I can roll with the big dogs. When it comes to that. <laughs> totally. like, but it's just, it's not me naturally. I don't want to force yeah. it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, again, coming back to the answer to your question is when you're being you, you're probably the happiest. And yeah. when you're being you, the people that like that in you will start being drawn to you, whether it's via a podcast, a video, your business or whatever. It's like those, it's like those sleazy salesmen, right? You know, they're, they're polishing the apple just to get the sale. It's like, dude, yeah. come on, really? Yeah. You like drumming. You've probably <laughs> never seen a pair of drumsticks except for on a stage. Right. right. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> No, that's a good transition. I actually wanted to shift over to some fun questions real quick. I'm a big music guy, worked okay. for Universal Records back in the day. But oh, right uh, on. so, uh, but I always love to ask this question: What's a favorite band for you, or a favorite type of music for you? Oh, ugh, depends on when you would ask me that. Okay. Um, but the 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 first answer that would always come out of my mouth is Kiss. Okay. Nice. Way back in 1977, I was introduced to the Destroyer album by a friend of mine, okay. and I've been hooked with them ever since. Uh, still listening to them. Uh, just went to a concert of theirs. Oh, not last year, obviously, but uh, yeah. I think it was the year before. Okay. I've probably been to more concerts of Kiss than anybody else. But when it comes to music as a style, yeah. I'm a I'm a mood music kind of guy, right? If you yeah. go, well, can't say iPod nowadays. I just dated myself. Um, <laughs> But if you go to my music selection, it ranges, you know, yeah. from Kiss to ABBA to Prince to Michael Jackson to Five Finger Death Punch to I Prevail. For the most part, I'm a metal guy, right? You get yeah. me uh, listening to five, this, right? Uh, right, right, right. right, like that. Yeah. Um, we love going to the, the concerts and the festivals. And I say we, my, my wife and my daughter. Uh, normally, that's where you would find us all spring and all summer, obviously not doing it this year. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that will come back around very, very soon. Uh, I hope so too. What, what was the first concert you went to? 
My <laughs> this is a great question. My first real concert, well, I'll say my first concert, my dad took me to go see Hank Williams Jr. Wow. It was, it was Copper's Cove, Texas. We're talking way back when, probably 74. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it was it was awesome, right? Dad and I hanging out, you know, good country music. Yeah. It was pretty cool. But the first arena concert was Kiss. Oh, I went wow. and saw them. I saw them on that Destroyer tour in Nuremberg, Germany. Oh, yeah, wow. I think that's probably what drove the stake in for the rest yeah. of my life was, you know, here I am. Oh, God, it would have been 77, 78. I would have been, what, 13, 12, 13 years old. Yeah. Just all that imagery that all the antics they were doing, fire, the blood spitting, and the, the good. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> right. I, you know, it's funny. I, my mom has told me this story. I don't know if this is true, but my mom and my dad both went to see Kiss in the early years of them dating and supposedly after the uh -huh. concert gene simmons rolled up to my mom as she was walking outside of the arena where they were at and rolled down the limo window and asked her to get into the limo and my dad was like yeah go for it my mom's like no and she didn't go so who knows what would have happened if that would who knows happened. what would have happened well we know what would have happened back then right <laughs> totally i've read that book yeah totally <laughs> Well, here, here's a really cool story. So my now wife, uh, we've yeah. been married about four years now. So we were, uh, we were doing long distance dating. Uh, okay. I was in Ohio. She was in Northern California in, in the Bay Area. And uh, we were, uh, she got me a uh, birthday present uh, year one, I think it was, of our dating. And it was, you know, con tickets to a KISS concert. And got the whole thing that, uh, you know, the backstage, got to see the, the, the band beforehand. And then they do a little acoustic set for you. And, nice. you know, come sign things and take pictures, yada, yada, yada. Well, we're sitting in the audience waiting for the main act to start. And up on the big screen, there was an advertisement for the KISS Wedding Chapel in Las Vegas. And I said, jokingly, if I ever get married again, that's where I'm getting married. Uh, two years later, that's where we got married. Come we on. Go, that's eh, awesome. We did. We went out to Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, we actually made friends with the lady who owns the, uh, the Kiss Chapel. Okay. And uh, Eric Singer, the drummer, uh, was the ring bearer at our ceremony. Wow. That is so cool. <laughs> that was that. That's it. I'm never getting married again. I don't care what right. happens. <laughs> right. Wow. Tracy, such an honor to have you on my show, man. Thank you so much for sharing your story. I think you are an absolute world changer. And I think what you've got going on with your podcast is just going to continue to change people's lives. And so thank you so much for taking time out of your day and, and joining me today. It was truly an honor. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the board. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. If it brought you any value, please leave a rating and review below. Please go subscribe to our podcast, all of our channels on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and Rumble. Look, we're on all the formats. We want to continue to grow the show and continue to bring you value. So thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. Have an awesome day.